is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. It is Thursday. Happy to be in the house on the Wise Guys Sports Show one day before the weekend. I'm so excited. We got the college football season kicking off this weekend. I know there was a lot of games played last week, but all the big-time schools are going to kick off their season. We got the Bearcats at the Arkansas Razorbacks on Saturday afternoon. Definitely excited for that matchup. And then Saturday night in Columbus, in the shoe, we got the Notre Dame Fighting Irish traveling to Columbus to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'm so excited for that matchup. I'll be up in Columbus this weekend. That's going to be a big-time matchup between the number five team in the country and the number two team in the country. So look forward to that matchup on Saturday night in prime time. So college football is back. You know, next week is going to be NFL week one. And, you know, football season is finally, finally upon us. So everybody, call into the show tonight. 513-203-8655. The number to dial is 513-203-8655. We got an action jam-packed show. I'm going to preview the NFC East. So who do you believe will win the NFC East? Call into the show. Give me your vote. Will it be the Cowboys, Commanders, Eagles, or Giants to win the NFC East this season? And also later on the show, the Denver Broncos. They signed Russell Wilson to a big-time deal. Signed for five years, $245 million with 140 I'm sorry, 165 guaranteed. So, Russell Wilson will be in Denver for many, many future seasons to come as they have put their money into Russell Wilson, and we're going to see how that pans out for the Broncos. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on as well. And also, Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. Who is the better quarterback right now? That's going to be our discussion later on the show as well. Call to the show. Give me your opinion on that. But even though we are in the football part of the calendar year right now we got to talk some basketball start off in the nba as this was earlier today the cleveland cavaliers have acquired three-time all-star donovan mitchell from the utah jazz in exchange for laurie marketing colin sexton og alabali three unprotected first round picks and two pick swaps Sources told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. In this exchange, Colin Sexton also agreed to a four-year, $72 million contract via sign-and-trade as a part of the blockbuster deal. And so he has a new contract with the Utah Jazz that is fully guaranteed. So that was earlier today, the breaking news from the NBA. And so my initial reaction to this move is, I believe this is a win for the Cleveland Cavaliers, because when you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, they get to bring in a three-time All-Star in Donovan Mitchell for his career. He's averaged 24 points per game on 44% shooting from the floor. He is one of the best young players in the NBA, and he's a dynamic scorer. He's not as great as D-Wade was, but he's similar because he's a great slasher. He can get to the rim and finish at the cup. He's also a terrific three-point 
shooter as well. He was a he's a better three point shooter than Dwayne Wade ever was, and he's a great mid range shooter. Can hit his free throw shots. He is a dynamic scorer. And you bring him in, you pair him up with Darius Garland, a nice point guard in your backcourt. So you got a nice backcourt in Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Now here's the thing: defensively, they will be undersized, but offensively, I love Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell teamed up together in Cleveland. I love that pairing. I really, really do. I think they can really, really score at a, a high rate, and they're going to apply a lot of pressure on opposing teams defensively because of their ability to score. Like, I thought last year Garland had a great season. He had 22 points per game on 46% shooting from the floor. He played in 68 total games last year. And in years prior, before that, the talk, in Cleveland was about Colin Sexton, and you saw Darius Garland emerge in that Cleveland Cavaliers rotation, and he took advantage of the minutes that he got, and he was great last year for the Cleveland Cavaliers. They didn't make the playoffs. They ended up losing the play-in game to the Atlanta Hawks. But one of the bright spots for the Cleveland Cavaliers moving forward is their young point guard, Darius Garland. When you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers now and the team that they have, this is their potential starting five. Darius Garland at the one, Donovan Mitchell at the two, Isaac Okoro at the three. At the four, you got the young phenom, even Mobley. And then you got Jared Allen at the five, a great real protector. So I believe this Cleveland Cavaliers team bringing in Donovan Mitchell, they are a playoff team in the East. They're not as good as the Boston Celtics. They're not as good as the Brooklyn Nets. They are not as good as the Milwaukee Bucks. But they could be a team that could be a five or six seed in the Eastern Conference. They could challenge maybe the Philadelphia 76ers, maybe Chicago Bulls. You never know. Maybe even the Miami Heat. I would say the Miami Heat are slightly a, you know, a better team right now than the Cleveland Cavaliers are. But I think the Cavaliers definitely could compete with the Bulls and the Sixers in the Eastern Conference. But with this move bringing in Donovan Mitchell, the Cavaliers are a better team today than they were yesterday. I'm seeing people on social media talk about how the Utah Jazz got away with highway robbery. And I'm like, do, are y'all forgetting how good of a player that Donovan Mitchell is? And you bring him to a franchise where he is going to be the best player on this Cleveland Cavaliers team. And they're not a championship contender yet, but this is a step in the right direction at being able to be true contenders in the Eastern Conference moving forward. This is a step in the right direction. This is the Cleveland Cavaliers that we're talking about here. They're not going to get a marquee free agent to sign in Cleveland, not named LeBron James. LeBron James is the only superstar that is going to sign in Cleveland to play because other superstars don't want to be in Cleveland. They don't want to be in Cleveland in October, November, December, and January, and February. They don't want to be there in the cold months in Cleveland. They don't want to be there. They want to go to a warm weather city, whether it's Miami, whether it's Dallas, whether it's Phoenix. They don't want to be in Cleveland. So I think one of the ways for the Cleveland Cavaliers to improve their team is to make trades. Like they made today, acquire players like Donovan Mitchell, build through the draft, like they did when they got Darius Garland, got Colin Sexton before they traded him away, because I thought Colin Sexton was a nice 
asset on their team as well. So I think for, if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, you are happy about this move that you made today. Now, the loser in this deal that was made involving Donovan Mitchell and Sexton and marketing with the Jazz and the Cavaliers, the biggest loser was not either of the teams that were involved. The biggest loser was the New York Knicks. I don't understand how the New York Knicks did not make a trade for Donovan Mitchell. Everything lined up for the New York Knicks to acquire Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is from that region. He grew up in that region, and I thought that Donovan Mitchell playing at Madison Square Garden would have embraced playing in that New York market similar to Carmelo Anthony. The same way that Carmelo Anthony did when he went to New York, he loved playing at Madison Square Garden. You could tell he was in love with being a New York Nick. And that's what I believe Donovan Mitchell would have been had he got traded to the New York Knicks. I don't understand why the Knicks didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell. I mean, you look at their roster. They got Jalen Brunson, who they signed in free agency earlier in the offseason. You got Evan Fourier. R.J. Barrett, they recently signed him to a new contract extension. You still got Julius Randle, got Obi Topping, Cam Reddish, who got tremendous promise. But, you know, you got Emmanuel quickly. I'm looking at this New York Knicks team. Why would you not trade for Donovan Mitchell? If you bring in Donovan Mitchell on your team, Donovan Mitchell is not a true number one on a championship contender. But Donovan Mitchell can be a number two on a championship contender. And you can have Donovan Mitchell there on your team to recruit another superstar that's probably better than him to come to New York to play with him. I don't understand what the New York Knicks were doing here. I, I, I just I got my questions about the New York Knicks and their decisions as a team. And I know I know the general manager for the Utah Jazz, Danny Ainge. I know Danny Ainge was asking for a lot for Donovan Mitchell. I know he was asking for a lot. But if you're the New York Knicks, outside of Julius Randle, everyone on your team should have been available in trade talks for Donovan Mitchell. Anyone outside of Julius Randle should have been made available in trade talks. Because you bring in a Donovan Mitchell, you team him up with a Julius Randle. And I think Julius Randle, would have had the perfect role with Donovan Mitchell on the Knicks because Julius Randle would be the third option on the team. And I think he's a perfect third option on a championship contender. I really, really do. I, a couple of years ago when the Knicks had a great season, when they made the playoffs, Julius Randle was the number one option on the Knicks that year. And that's the reason why they were out in the first round. But him as a third option is great. But you look at the New York Knicks in their front office. You got general manager Scott Perry, Leon Rose also is a part of that New York Knicks organization. I don't understand what Scott Perry and Leon Rose were thinking here. I know Danny Ainge was asking for a lot, but if I'm the New York Knicks, if I'm trying to sell tickets, and I'm, if I'm trying to be a contender in the Eastern Conference, you got to make a way to trade for Donovan Mitchell. You got to make it happen. You got to figure out a way to bring Donovan Mitchell to New York City and pair him up with Julius Randle and have an opportunity to compete in the East, and possibly win one playoff series. With Donovan Mitchell and Julius Randle, maybe they could have won one playoff series, and that would have shown a superstar that, oh, the New York Knicks are headed in the right direction. 
this is a great franchise to go and play for at this moment because they're trending up and they got Donovan Mitchell and they got Julius Randle. I think that would have been a good situation for a superstar and Donovan Mitchell could have recruited a superstar to come alongside him and play in New York. So I thought Knicks general manager Scott Perry and Leon Rose, they dropped the ball here. You, you got to figure out a way to bring Donovan Mitchell in and on board. And, and again, everybody should have been available in trade talks besides Julius Randle. Everybody. R.J. Barrett, I know you just brought him in and signed him to a new contract extension, but R.J. Barrett is not as good as Donovan Mitchell is. He's just not. So I think they would have made their team better had they traded for Donovan Mitchell. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with These Guys Know Sports. It is clear that the Utah Jazz are in rebuilding mode. As they brought in Colin Sexton and they signed him to a four-year, $72 million contract. I like Sexton. You know, I think Sexton has a chance to prove that he can be a solid player in Utah. Before his career, Colin Sexton, he's averaged 20 points per game on 46% shooting from the floor. So I think he has shown that he can score at an elite rate. I mean, he came into the to the league and he's had has improved. Since 2018, since his rookie season, his rookie season, he averaged on, he averaged 17 points per game. 2019, he averaged 21 points per game. 2020, he averaged 24 points per game. So over the last three years, he has improved as a scorer. And I think you can possibly build your team around Colin Sexton. I'm not ready to say he's a, you know, a franchise player quite yet, like a Donovan Mitchell is. But I think Colin Sexton is headed in the right direction. If he can improve on his game, he could really, really be one of those players that can help the Utah Jazz contend in the Western Conference. You know, I mean, they're they're in rebuilding mode. They traded away Rudy Gobert earlier this offseason as well. But that's the thing, too, that threw off the whole entire trade involving Donovan Mitchell. Because Danny Ainge completely robbed the Minnesota Timberwolves in that trade involving Rudy Gobert, it made Donovan Mitchell's value go way through the roof. Because if you're going to give up all what you gave up to get Rudy Gobert, imagine what Danny Ainge was asking for Donovan Mitchell. And I, I get it, but I still think it would have been a good move for the Knicks. But I know Donovan Mitchell, his value went through the roof once Rudy Gobert went to Minnesota and Danny Ainge got what he got in return for Rudy Gobert. So that was the biggest news of the day in the NBA. Again, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they have traded for three-time All-Star Donovan Mitchell. Colin Sexton is headed to Utah. A four-year, $72 million contract. That's all guaranteed for Colin Sexton. Lori Marketing, OG Adi, also a part of the deal, going to Utah. So Utah is in rebuilding mode, and the Cavaliers are going to be contenders in the East next year with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. And then in the front court, you got – Mosley, and then you also still got Jared Allen. So they'll be contenders next year in the East. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Call to the show 513 203 8655. 513 203 8655. We were discussing the Cleveland Cavaliers and Utah Jazz trade. That went down earlier today. Again, this is the Cleveland Cavaliers' potential starting lineup for next season. Darius Garland at point guard. 
Donovan Mitchell at shooting guard, Isaac Akaro at small forward, Evan Mobley at power forward, and your center is going to be Jared Allen, who is a tremendous rim protector. I thought last year if Jared Allen would have been able to stay healthy, he could have helped the Cavaliers possibly get into the postseason because of his defensive prowess as a rim protector. But I, th I think he did come back late in the season last year, but he wasn't 100%. But, you know, I like the Cavaliers in the East next year. Like I said, they're not going to be better than the Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks, or Brooklyn Nets, but they'll be a team that can make the playoffs as a possible possible four or five seed in the East. Maybe. It can happen. Maybe. I could, maybe at, at, at worst, they'll be a six or seven seed in the East next year. Now they got realistic expectations in Cleveland to make the playoffs. You got to be a playoff team when you make a trade for Donovan Mitchell and you pair him up with Darius Garland. You got to be a playoff team now. That's the expectation in Cleveland now. Not a championship contender, but a playoff contender in the Eastern Conference next year for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Those are my expectations. Let's transition to the NFL. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is trying to get a new contract extension from the Baltimore Ravens right now. So this was on Twitter the other day. It was a, a tweet that someone had put out about Lamar Jackson. And so he also responded to this tweet on Twitter. This is the tweet. It's from a guy named Brazy Hawks on, on Twitter. He says, so Lamar Jackson is a league MVP and he still hasn't broken the bank? Ravens, you're on the hot seat. Give that man the $250 million guaranteed before you write a check your expletive can't cash. Now, McCullum20, he is a Twitter user as well. He responded and said he wants more. They already offered that in response to Brazy Hawk saying that the Ravens need to give Lamar Jackson a $250 million guaranteed contract. McCullum20 responded he wants more. They already offered that. Lamar Jackson responded to both comments and said, no, they didn't. Then Will on Twitter, some guy named Will, I guess he's a Dolphins fan. He tweeted out a picture of Lamar in a Miami Dolphins uniform. And he said, you both can come and cry in a Miami Dolphins uniform. Tears of joy when we hoist a Lombardi. Lamar Jackson liked that tweet by Will on Twitter. So the question here is, should Lamar Jackson play in the season opener with no extension? And the answer to that is hell no. Lamar Jackson should not play in the season opener with no contract extension. That would be a terrible, terrible move if Lamar really truly wants to get paid. Because number one, I think it would be smart for Lamar Jackson to hire him an agent. Because while you in contract negotiations, it's certain things that these NFL owners and NFL general managers, it's certain things that they put in these contracts that you might not understand because you're not an agent. And these agents, it is their expertise to know how to negotiate contracts and how to get the best possible deal for their clients. So these general managers and these owners, they know this when they're dealing with players who want to represent themselves. So I think it's going to be important for Lamar Jackson to hire an agent. We know Lamar Jackson is smart. I, I love the fact that he's trying to 
be a great businessman for himself and negotiate a contract for himself and, you know, be an entrepreneur and, and involve himself in business and negotiating a contract for himself. But I think it would be wise for him to hire an agent and allow them to negotiate a contract with the Baltimore Ravens organization. So, you know, these agents, they speak with these executives, they understand this business, and they will make sure that the Ravens aren't trying to put stuff in the contract that Lamar Jackson or his mom or lawyer may not pay attention to. That's what a agent's job is, to make sure they can see all the ins and outs of a particular contract. Now, when you look at Lamar Jackson's contract breakdown, this is since he came into the NFL. In 2018, he made 480K. 2019, he made 1.8 million. 2020, he made 1.4 million. 2021, he made 1.8 million. And then this year, he's expected to make $23.1 million. That's been Lamar Jackson's what he's made since he's been in the NFL. And he's been underpaid since he's been in the NFL. And underpaid is an understatement. Because Lamar Jackson has been everything to the Baltimore Ravens. You look at his numbers. 84 touchdowns, 31 interceptions. He got 9,967 passing yards. He's completed 64% of his passes. But that's not the strength of his game. The strength of his game is his mobility as a quarterback in the open field for his career. He got 615 carries, 21 rushing touchdowns. 3,673 rushing yards so far in his career. He won an NFL MVP in 2019. His career record as a starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens is 37 and 12. So I believe that Mark Jackson deserves to get at least $230 million guaranteed. We just saw Deshaun Watson get a guaranteed contract from the Cleveland Browns. Straight guaranteed. All his money is guaranteed for Deshaun Watson. And then we saw Kyler Murray get a new deal from the Arizona Cardinals. Lamar Jackson is better than Kyler Murray. Now, Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, that comparison is, is different because I believe at their best, Deshaun Watson is better than Lamar Jackson is because Deshaun Watson is a better, pure pocket passer than Lamar Jackson is so far in his career. Now, Lamar Jackson has accomplished more than Deshaun Watson has so far in his career. So that's why if you're Lamar Jackson, when you're negotiating with the Baltimore Ravens, you see what Deshaun Watson got paid from the Cleveland Browns. Five-year, $230 million guaranteed deal that Deshaun Watson got from the Cleveland Browns. You see what Kyler Murray just got from the Arizona Cardinals. And in your mind, you're like, I've accomplished more than both Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson. Kyler Murray, he signed a $230 million extension a few weeks ago. But I think he got 105 signing bonus. And I think he got like 160 guaranteed. But when you look at Lamar Jackson and what he's been able to accomplish since he's been in Baltimore, Lamar Jackson hasn't had the supporting cast like a Deshaun Watson had in Houston when he had DeAndre Hopkins. And then Kyler Murray also had the luxury of having D. Hop and him to throw the ball to. So Lamar Jackson has been more valuable to the Ravens than Deshaun Watson was to the Texans and Kyler Murray is to the Arizona Cardinals. That's why I believe he should not 
play week one without a contract extension. Also, football is a physical sport. Unlike basketball or baseball, football is a physical sport where you are one hit away from your career being over. One hit away. And then the type of player that Lamar Jackson is, he's already dealt with injuries in the early part of his career. Last year, he dealt with an ankle injury. That's why he missed a few games at the end of the season last year because he was dealing with an ankle injury. It would be different if he, if he was dealing with a, a finger injury or a shoulder injury. No, he's dealing with lower leg injuries. And the type of player that he is, the type of player that gets outside the pocket, gets in the open field, a dynamic playmaker in this Baltimore Ravens offense, he is one hit away from a catastrophe and him not being able to get the money that he has earned so far in his career. One hit away. Now, now we have a, an example in Dallas where the Dallas Cowboys, they still paid Dak Prescott after he tore up his ankle. They still paid Dak Prescott. But Dak Prescott is a pure pocket passer, and Dak Prescott lucked up being in that Dallas Cowboys organization. I'm not sure if the Baltimore Ravens would have the grace on Lamar Jackson like the Dallas Cowboys had on Dak Prescott. You know, Lord forbid. I'm not hoping no injury happens to Lamar. I don't want Lamar to get injured at all. I'm just saying in football, he's you're one hit away, which is why you have to get your money while you can. So I think it would be a bad idea for Lamar Jackson to play week one without a contract extension. It would be a bad idea. I think he has to get his money right now while he can and, and capitalize and get the most money that he can right now. Because with the with the MVP that he won in 2019, he's accomplished more than Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray. And I want to be clear about this because I believe that, again, Deshaun Watson is better than Lamar Jackson is. But Lamar Jackson, with his NFL MVP in 2019, he has more accomplishments than Deshaun Watson has right now. So that's my thoughts on it. Call it to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. Now let's talk about my expectations for the Baltimore Ravens this season. I'm going to get to the AFC North and preview the AFC North next week. I've been doing my previews each and every show for each division in the NFL. The AFC North is a competitive division, and I want to do my most competitive divisions towards the end. But what I can say is about the Baltimore Ravens, I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to be a true contender in the AFC this year because last year that team was injury-plagued all season long. They lost Marcus Peters and J.K. Dobbins in the same practice. The same practice both Peters and Dobbins went down with season-ending injuries. And then last year, towards the end of the season, Lamar Jackson missed a few games. This year, I expect the Baltimore Ravens to be contenders in the AFC. You look at their team right now, offensively. You still got J.K. Dobbins, who's going to be returning back from injury. You got Rashawn Bateman, who they got high expectations for in Baltimore. You got Devin Davernay, Mark Andrews, a reliable tight end. Is a pretty good offensive line. You got Tyler Lindenbaum at center, Kevin Zeitler at right guard, left tackle. You got Ronnie Stanley, Ben Powers at guard. So I like the offensive line. I love their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, because I think he does a great job at putting Lamar in positions to be successful. And then you look at the Ravens' defense. 
Defensively, they are led by Mike McDonald. That's their defensive coordinator. And when you look at their defense, again, defensively, you got Marcus Peters at cornerback. You got Michael Pierce up front. You got Calais Campbell as well. Then your linebackers, they're okay. They got Patrick Queen. He's, he's decent. Josh Bynes is nice. In their secondary, they got Marlon Humphrey as well. Marlon Humphrey last year, he struggled a bit. Again, like I said, I like the Ravens team. I think they're going to be one of those contenders in the AFC. They'll contend in the AFC North with the Cincinnati Bengals to see who, who's going to win the division. And they, they're going to be contending with the rest of those teams in the AFC. The entire AFC West, the uh, you know the, the AFC South with the Colts and, and the Titans, AFC East with the Buffalo Bills. I think the Baltimore Ravens, you know, with Lamar Jackson at the helm, they could be anybody. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore weights. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram. These guys know sports. Let's transition. Let's talk about some NBA. And Jeannie Buss had some interesting comments a couple days ago. She was talking about Russell Westbrook. And these were the comments from Jeannie Buss on Russell Westbrook last year. Jeannie Buss, quote, all I can say is that from my point of view, Westbrook was our best player last year. He played pretty much every single game, showed up, worked hard. You know, I would have loved to have seen what this team would have looked like if they stayed healthy. She ended up later backing off that claim and said that the word I should have used was consistent. He played in 78 games last season. That was Jeannie Buss on Russell Westbrook. So when you talk about Jeannie Buss and her comments, on Russell Westbrook, I actually am buying these comments that Jeannie Buss made on Russell Westbrook because I said, as much as we talk about Russell Westbrook and his struggles last year, at least Russell Westbrook showed up last year and played majority of the games in the season last year for the Los Angeles Lakers. Russell Westbrook played in 78 total games last season. Anthony Davis only played in 40 games last season. Also, Russell Westbrook was a turnover machine and he didn't coexist with LeBron well on the floor. These are all facts, but your best ability is availability. And Russell Westbrook was available and Anthony Davis was not. Also, when you look at Anthony Davis last year, playing in 40 games, he averaged 23 points per game, oh, 53% shooting from the floor. But here's the thing about Anthony Davis that really, really frustrates me when I watched the Lakers, Anthony Davis last year, the man shot 18% from three-point range. So for me, Anthony Davis is shooting way too many three-point shots. Why are you shooting so many perimeter shots? Anthony Davis, you are 6'10". Get down in the low post. Prove why you are universally recognized when you are healthy as a top 10 player in the NBA. When Anthony Davis was in New Orleans. Let's go over some of his numbers, shall we? In 2014, he averaged 24 points per game on 54% shooting. 2015, he averaged 24 points per game on 50% shooting. In 2016, he averaged 28 points per game on 51% shooting. What made Anthony Davis so dynamic when he was in New Orleans as the number one option was his aggressiveness and his low post moves when he got the ball down the low post, he is a gifted, skilled, low post scorer. And that's what made him great when he was in New Orleans. It wasn't being able to, 
you know, having to shoot all those perimeter shots. Why are you shooting so many perimeter shots? That was one of my biggest issues last year with Anthony Davis. He shot way too many perimeter shots. And the fact that he, it, it, it wasn't even the biggest thing that he shot them. He missed them. He only shot 18% from three-point range. If, if he would have shot, you know, 30% or 35% from three-point range, maybe I would have understood and said, okay, you want to shoot a couple perimeter shots. I'll, I'll allow you to have that. But he shot such a low percentage, it's frustrating watching the Lakers play because we know how gifted Anthony Davis is, and we know that if he is healthy and is on the floor and he's in attack mode, the Lakers could be a true championship contender. I actually agree with Jenny Buss that Russell Westbrook was the Lakers' most consistent player last year, but it necessarily wasn't because of his ability. It was more so because of his availability. LeBron and Anthony Davis both missed a bunch of games last year. Anthony Davis missed 40 games. And LeBron James only played in 56 games last year. Russell Westbrook played in 78. So, again, like, I think the biggest issue with the Lakers, again, Russell Westbrook has to cut down on the turnovers. He also has to understand that he's going to have to change his role at this point in his career if he wants to be on a championship contender. But Anthony Davis is going to have to max out his potential for the Lakers to be true championship contenders. It doesn't matter how great LeBron is. If Anthony Davis does not play to his max potential, Lakers won't be championship contenders. It's that simple. It's that simple for me. Anthony Davis has to prove why he is recognized as a top five talent in the NBA. I remember after I remember when the Lakers won a championship in the bubble. At that time, I had made the argument that Anthony Davis was better than Giannis. He was better than the Joker. Because since then, Giannis has emerged as a top three player in the NBA. Giannis also has won an NBA championship and an NBA Finals MVP. And the Joker has won back-to-back NBA MVPs. And I can't even remember the last time Anthony Davis had a great game. Can somebody remind me tonight? Call into the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. Somebody call in and let me know, when was the last time Anthony Davis had a great game? The last time I remember Anthony Davis being dominant was in the bubble. That was the last time I seen Anthony Davis be dominant. When the Lakers won a championship in the bubble, when they beat the Miami Heat in the finals, that was the last time I remember Anthony Davis playing to his max potential. We haven't seen it since then. So for the Lakers to be true championship contenders, they need Anthony Davis to play to his max potential and prove why he is universally recognized as a top 10 player in the NBA. It ain't all on Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook has his own issues that he has to improve on. But the reason why this Lakers team is not meeting expectations is because of Anthony Davis, mainly. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Now, recently the Lakers did trade for Patrick Beverly. So everyone's talking about whether or not Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook are going to be able to coexist as teammates. So for me, I don't think it's going to be an issue for Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly to coexist as teammates because 
what Patrick Beverly is bringing to this Lakers team, they need. Like, you look at what they did last year defensively. The Lakers were one of the worst teams defensively last year in the NBA. They were flat out soft last year. S-O-F-T. The Lakers were soft last year defensively. So you bring in a Patrick Beverly who is a tone setter. He brings toughness and he brings a certain mindset to the defense for the Lakers. So I think they're going to improve drastically defensively next year, especially on the perimeter, bringing in a player like Patrick Beverly. Also, every championship team needs a dog on their team that isn't afraid of taking a hard foul or being an enforcer defensively. Every championship team needs this. In the 90s, for the Chicago Bulls, it was Dennis Rodman. The Golden State Warriors, they won four championships in eight years. It was Draymond Green. Every championship team has an enforcer on their team that you have to fear if you're an opposing team. That's who Patrick Beverly will be for the Los Angeles Lakers this year. So I love the, the move they bring in Patrick Beverly. I really, really do. When it comes to their chemistry as teammates, I think once training camp begins, the Lakers need to put Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly's locker right next to each other. And they talk about their differences as men and they end up having a conversation and moving forward. After that, I believe Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly are going to be fine as teammates. They're going to be fine because Russell Westbrook knows at this point in his career, he has to check his ego at the door once training camp begins. He doesn't have leverage like he once had earlier in his career when he was in Oklahoma City and leading them to the playoffs as their franchise player. Russell Westbrook no longer has that type of leverage anymore. We know earlier in his career, Russell Westbrook, he went to multiple All-Star game appearances. He won an NBA MVP. He passed Oscar Robinson for the most triple doubles in NBA history. But Russell Westbrook is not that type of player anymore for this Lakers team. In order for him to be successful and be able to be on a championship contender, he can't be that type of player anymore. He has to be a player that changes up his role, sets picks, moves without the basketball, because you're not going to have the basketball in your hands when you have LeBron James on your team. LeBron James is the pure point guard for this Lakers team. It's not Russell Westbrook. So Russell Westbrook has to learn how to be effective in different ways to help the Lakers win basketball games. And again, he knows that he doesn't have as much leverage as he had earlier in his career. And we, he, we've we seen stars like Allen Iverson, Carmelo Anthony, they've had to sit out because they could not adapt to a new role. That is where Russell Westbrook is heading if he doesn't check his ego at the door once training camp begins. So because of that, I expect Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly to be great teammates together in Los Angeles this year. Now, here's, going to, here's where the issue is going to be for the Lakers. It's going to be with Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly on the floor together. I don't believe a player who isn't a good shooter can fit with Patrick Beverly because Patrick Beverly is not known as a shooter. Patrick Beverly 
even though he shoots 38% from three-point range in his career, Patrick Beverly is not a three-point shooter. Patrick Beverly is a defensive specialist. He's a great perimeter defender. And he can hit open shots, but he, he, but that's not his strength. His strength is not being a, a knockdown three-point shooter. That's not his strength. So I believe a better fit with Patrick Beverly would be a Kyrie Irving or Steph Curry. Not a Russell Westbrook, a point guard who can't shoot. So I don't think they're going to mesh well on the court together, but I think they'll be great teammates off the court together. And then late in games, head coach Darvin Ham, he got some tough decisions to make because do you leave in Russell Westbrook, who is a turnover machine and doesn't coexist with LeBron James on the floor, but he's better offensively than Patrick Beverly is, or do you roll with Patrick Beverly's defense and get stops late in games to win basketball games? I believe a Patrick Beverly is a better fit for the Lakers late in games and overall on this Lakers team than Russell Westbrook currently is right now at this point in his career. Russell Westbrook is a better player than Patrick Beverly is, but right now for this Lakers team, Patrick Beverly is the better fit than Russell Westbrook is. So that's my thoughts on the Lakers and the Russell Westbrook and Jeannie Buss' comments. She said that she believes Russell Westbrook was the most consistent player on the Lakers last year, and I agree with her, but I think it's more so because of his availability, not ability. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Let's transition and let's get back to the NFL and let's talk about the NFC East odds and my expectations for the NFC East this season. I put up a Twitter post on the Wise Guys Twitter page and I asked who's going to win the NFC East this year. Let's read the results. We got the Eagles. Eagles. Most people believe the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. Okay. Okay. Now let's break down the odds as far as what Vegas believes. So Vegas believes that the Cowboys and Eagles are both favorites to win the NFC East this year. They got the Cowboys at plus 145. They got the Eagles at plus 145. The Commanders are a plus 600. And the Giants are a plus 700. So let's start off with the Dallas Cowboys and the NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys, their over-under is at 10 and a half. When I look at the Dallas Cowboys, offensively, they are led by Dak Prescott. And I believe Dak Prescott is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I think that you can win playoff games with Dak Prescott and possibly win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott. I, I really believe in Dak Prescott. I don't think Dak Prescott is elite like a Josh Allen, like a Patrick Mahomes, like an Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, but I believe that you can win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott. Last year, Dak Prescott, he had 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, so he had 4,449 passing yards, completing 69% of his passes. I think, quietly, Dak Prescott had a great season last year. He really, really did. I think Dak Prescott is on the same level as a Derek Carr. And I like Derek Carr as well. I think you can win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr at the helm. But the difference between Derek Carr and Dak Prescott is Dak Prescott has a playoff win on his resume. Derek Carr doesn't have that. So I think you have to give the slight edge to Prescott. But I think they're both quarterbacks who you can win a Super Bowl with. 
Now, these are other quarterbacks that I would put Dak in the same conversation as. Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill at times because he's inconsistent. He was the reason why the Tennessee Titans lost in the playoffs last year to the Bengals because he was a turnover machine in that game. But at times, Ryan Tannehill shows promise. But I think Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill on a good day, they are all on the same level. Kyler Murray as well because Kyler Murray hasn't won a playoff game yet. I think Kyler Murray has more upside than Dak Prescott or Derek Carr, but he hasn't won a playoff game yet. So I can't say he's better than a Dak Prescott or, or Derek Carr. Kirk Cousins, he's already won a playoff game in his career. So I think Dak Prescott has the ability to get it done as a quarterback. And so I don't have no questions about Dak Prescott as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. I believe in Dak Prescott. Now you look at the Dallas Cowboys running backs, Ezekiel Elliott. He got a lot to prove this year. Got a lot to prove, and he got to show that he still got something left in the tank. The last four years, Ezekiel Elliott's total carries have decreased every single year. He went from 2018, he had 304 carries. 2019, he went to 301. 2020, he went to 244. 2021, he went to 237. So the last four years, Elliott's total carries have decreased. So they've given Tony Pollard over the last two years more opportunities to be a playmaker at the running back position for the Dallas Cowboys. Last year, Tony Pollard, he averaged five and a half yards per carry. Ezekiel Elliott only averaged 4.2 4, 4, 4. 4. yards per carry last year. 4.2. So Pollard is the better running back when you compare the two, but Ezekiel Elliott is the more popular running back and he got all that money from from jerry jones and the dallas cowboys so they're going to give him opportunities to prove that he still has something left in the tank but tony pollard is the best running back on this dallas cowboys team it's not Ezekiel anymore it's just not and tony pollard is electrifying in the open field he gives the cowboys energy and he he's a big when he gets the ball in his hands He's great in the open field. Ezekiel Elliott has lost a step. I remember when he was in college at Ohio State. He was such a dynamic running back. And in the open field, he made play after play after play. That year when the Buckeyes won the championship, Ezekiel Elliott dominated that game. And he dominated the entire college football playoff that year. That time has passed. He's not the same Ezekiel Elliott that he once was. So I think Tony Pollard is the best running back on this Cowboys team, and I think he should get majority of the carries. Now, when you look at the Cowboys receiving core, Noah Amari Cooper, they traded him away to Cleveland. They lost Cedric Wilson in free agency to the Miami Dolphins. James Washington fractured his foot in training camp, so he's going to be out another four to five weeks. Michael Gallup is still rehabbing for, from a ligament injury that he had last season. So he's still on the PUP list. And so right now, the only reliable target for Dak Prescott is CeeDee Lamb. And I like CeeDee Lamb. I really, really do. I think CeeDee Lamb has tremendous promise. Last year, CeeDee Lamb, he had 79 receptions, 1,102 receiving yards, six touchdowns. I think CeeDee Lamb in the next few years could be a top five receiver in the NFL. And he's the only reliable target right now for, for Dak. I, I mean, I know right now, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, 
you're nervous. You're nervous because you look at the receiver room, wishing you could have kept Amari Cooper. Like, damn, it, it would have been nice to keep Amari Cooper right now because Gallup is out at the beginning of the season, at least. James Washington is going to be out in the first quarter of the season. So only reliable target for that is CeeDee Lamb. Look at their offensive line. The offensive line is going to struggle at the beginning of the season with no Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith went down with a hamstring injury in training camp a few weeks ago. He's out indefinitely. No Lionel Collins. They let him go. He's in Cincinnati now with the Bengals. So the offensive line is going to be an issue for the Dallas Cowboys. Offensively, I'm worried about Dallas. I'm worried about the Dallas Cowboys offense right now because Ezekiel Elliott is past his prime. CeeDee Lamb is your only reliable target at receiver. And it's not like Dak Prescott is Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. So he's not going to elevate other receivers who might not be as good. So the Cowboys are in some trouble offensively. Let's talk about their defense. I love Micah Parsons. I think Micah Parsons is arguably the best player on the Dallas Cowboys team. He made an immediate impact last year as a rookie. He had 13 sacks last year. 13 sacks for Micah Parsons last year. He was sensational on that Cowboys defense. They still got Demarcus Lawrence, but they don't have Randy Gregory. Anthony Barr, they brought him in in free agency. He's okay. I like their secondary with Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs last year had 11 interceptions. He was a ball hawk in that Cowboys secondary. But I don't think that this Dallas Cowboys team got better in the offseason. I don't think they got better. And then last year, they led the league in penalties. The Dallas Cowboys, they got 266 total penalties. That's the most in the NFL over the last two seasons. Mike McCarthy, as a head coach, it doesn't seem like the Dallas Cowboys players respect Mike McCarthy. And he doesn't have the authority to cut certain players. I don't think Jerry Jones is going for that. <laughs> I think we know we know who's in charge in Dallas. It's Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones. Mike McCarthy is not making certain decisions in Dallas. He's not. He's the head coach, but he's not making certain decisions on whether or not players get cut or not. So I don't think this Dallas Cowboys team respects Mike McCarthy as a true authority of their football team. That's why you see them having so many penalties. And this year, the Dallas Cowboys, they don't have enough talent to overcome a ton of penalties. Their margin for error is much smaller this year than it has been in years previous. So they got to really, really fix this penalty issue. They got to fix this penalty issue, or it could be trouble for the Dallas Cowboys and their fans this year. The over-under for the Dallas Cowboys is... 10 and a half. I'm going under. I don't think the Cowboys are going to win over 10 and a half games. I'm going, I'm going under here. I, I, I think that's going to be a struggle this year. They play the NFC North and the AFC South. So they got the AFC South and the NFC North. So Colts, Titans could be games that the Cowboys could potentially lose. Packers, Vikings are games the Cowboys could potentially lose. So I think it's going to be a struggle for the Cowboys this year. I really, really do. Now, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. 
their over-under is nine and a half games. Their head coach, Nick Sirianni, in his first season went nine and eight. I like Nick Sirianni. I like some of his some of his decisions that he made last year as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. I had my questions about Nick Sirianni entering his first season last year as head coach in Philly because I didn't think that Doug Peterson deserved to be fired. But Nick Sirianni actually did a pretty good job last year leading the Philadelphia Eagles to the playoffs. Jalen Hurts, he's entering his third season, passing yards, but his strength is his mobility and his playmaking in the open field. 202 carries, 1,138 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns. I believe in order for Jalen Hurts to take that next step and progress as a franchise quarterback, he has to become a better pocket passer. That's what Jalen Hurts has to do. I think right now these opposing teams who play the Philadelphia Eagles, their game plan is to take away running lanes for Jalen Hurts and force Jalen Hurts to beat them in the passing game. The Philadelphia Eagles, they traded for A.J. Brown. So they got A.J. Brown at receiver. They got Devontae Smith. And I love Devontae Smith. I think Devontae Smith was one of the best college football players I've seen. He was dominant at Alabama. And you got A.J. Brown as well. Similar to how I feel about Tua, there are no excuses this year for Jalen Hurts. You got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, two receivers who can easily go for over 1,000 receiving yards this year, easily. Now, last year, you look at Jalen Hurts. He improved as the year went along as a passer. And two out of the last three games in the regular season, Jalen Hurts had over 200 yards passing. They won three straight games to end the season last year in the regular season, and they squeaked into the playoffs. They got beat down on wild card weekend by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but nobody expected them to beat the Buccaneers. But the Eagles getting into the playoffs last year was a successful season. I didn't, I didn't have high expectations for the Philadelphia Eagles last year. I didn't because I didn't know if Nick Sirianni could coach. I had my questions about Jalen Hurts as a quarterback and the fact that they squeaked into the playoffs last year as a seven seed was impressive. And now this year they are a better team because of some of the moves that they've made in the offseason. You look at their running backs. They got a running back by committee, so they don't have a real primary running back who's elite, but they got running backs who are interchangeable in Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. You still got Dallas Goddard at tight end. And now let's talk about their defense. They're led by Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator in Philadelphia. You still got Fletcher Cox, an enforcer defensively. And you got Brandon Graham up front. Darius Slay is solid in your secondary. They recently brought in C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And you got Marcus Epps. So I like the Philadelphia Eagles team. I really, really do. I'm looking at their first six games of the season. These are all winnable games this year. These are the Eagles' first six games. They're at Detroit week one. Home against the Vikings week two. Week three, they're at. Washington. Week four, they're home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Week five, they're at Arizona. Week six, they're home against the Cowboys. Week seven, they got a bye. Week eight, 
They got the Steelers at home. Week nine, they're at Houston. In week 10, they're home against the Commanders. I could easily see Philadelphia Eagles going maybe seven and three. They don't have a real contender that they're playing against who's a true Super Bowl contender until week 11. That's when they got the Colts. They're at Indianapolis. Maybe Arizona in week five, that would be a battle in the desert. But Lions, Vikings, Commanders, Jags, Cardinals, Cowboys, Steelers, Texans, Commanders? I can confidently say the Eagles are better than all those teams I just named, with the exception of maybe the Arizona Cardinals. And that's a debate. Arizona Cardinals, Philadelphia Eagles, who's the better team? Cardinals in a much tougher division in the NFC West than the Eagles are in, in, in the NFC East. But, I mean, I look at their first nine games. They could easily be 7-2, and 6-3, and, 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 and they don't have a real matchup until they face the Colts. So, I like the Philadelphia Eagles this year in the NFC East. I'm picking the Philadelphia Eagles to win the NFC East. When I look at their over-under at – Nine and a half, I'm going over here. I'm going over with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Philadelphia Eagles will be a playoff team in the NFC. And I think they are going to be true contenders in the NFC overall. They are better than Dallas Cowboys. They're better than the Washington Commanders. And they damn sure are better than the New York Giants. Now, let's talk about the Washington Commanders. They're led by Ron Rivera. I believe in Ron Rivera as the head coach. Dating back to his days. In Carolina, I always liked Ron Rivera as a head coach. I think he can coach. I think he is a coach that is respected by his players. And I think he's the kind of coach that can get the most out of his football team and have his team in a position where they can compete for a playoff spot. They're not going to win the NFC East. They're not better than the Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles. But Ron Rivera is a type of coach that knows how to lead a group of men. And I think they will be in a position to compete for a wild card spot. I could see the Washington commanders finishing maybe eight, nine, nine and eight. You never know. Now they got Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is going to be on his third team in the last three years. So I think Carson Wentz is at that point in his career where it's a put up or shut up year for Carson Wentz. You got to get it done. Last year, Carson Wentz had 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 3,563 passing yards. But we all remember in week 17 last year, the Colts had an opportunity to win in Jacksonville and punch their ticket into the postseason, and Carson Wentz laid an egg. He, I mean, he was awful last year in that – game against the Jacksonville Jaguars and that's the reason why the, the Colts missed the playoffs that's the reason why they missed the playoffs so I think it's going to be a, a, a this is a big year for Carson Wentz Carson Wentz has to play well this year and when you look at the commanders in their team I like Jahad Dotson the receiver they got Terry McLaurin who's one of the best receivers in the NFL you got Antonio Gibson at running back Curtis Samuel at receiver can help in the passing game as well. And then you look at their defense. You got Darwin Payne. They still don't have Chase Young. He's still rehabbing from his injury. But they got Montez Sweat, who's a great 
pass rusher off the edge. And then in your secondary, you got Bobby McClain, William Jackson III, Kendall Fuller. They're all right. They're all right. I, again, I don't think the commanders are going to be a playoff team, but I could see them maybe making things tough for those top three or four teams in the NFC if they have to play against one of those teams at the end of the season. I could see the, I could see the commanders making those games tough against maybe like a, the Packers or the Bucks or the Eagles or you know the Rams. I could see if they if they play up against the commanders, the commanders could pull off an upset. Again, I think if they go nine and eight, that's a season that is successful for the Washington Commanders. Nine and eight would be a successful season. Ten and seven, definitely a successful season. So those are my expectations for the Washington Commanders. I don't have them as a playoff team, but I think they could upset a few of those top contenders. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys no sports. Now, I want to talk about Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott for a minute. It ain't going to be long, but I asked the question that who has more to prove? Is it Jalen Hurts or is it Dak Prescott? And I know everybody out there like, well, what does Dak Prescott have to prove when it comes to, you know, being quarterback? You know, comparison to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts hasn't won a playoff game yet in his career. I still believe that there are people out there that, that don't believe in Dak Prescott. But honestly, Jalen Hurts, do, he does have more to prove than Dak Prescott does because Jalen Hurts has to prove that he can be a true pocket passer. You can't just be a mobile quarterback in the NFL and be successful. You have to be able to throw the football, and that's your number one job as a quarterback. So Dak Prescott already has one playoff win on his resume. If Dak Prescott leads this Dallas Cowboys team to the playoffs, I think it would be a major, major accomplishment for his resume because this Dallas Cowboys team is not as talented this season as they have been in previous years. So I think Jalen Hurts has the better football team, but I think Dak Prescott has an opportunity to where if he's an MVP candidate and he leads this Dallas Cowboys team to the playoffs, I think we will look at Dak Prescott and have a different perception of him because he was able to lead this Dallas Cowboys team to the playoffs. I don't think Dallas is very good this year. I really, really don't. I think they're going to struggle this year. I think they'll go 8-9 this year. Those are my expectations. I'm not even going to talk about the, the New York Giants because I expect them to be awful this year. They're not going to be very good. So those are my expectations for the NFC East. I got the Philadelphia Eagles over nine and a half wins. I expect them to win the NFC East. I got the Dallas Cowboys under ten and a half wins. And I don't think the Cowboys are going to be a playoff team in the NFC. Let's transition and let's talk about the breaking news from this morning in the NFL. Russell Wilson has agreed to a five-year, $245 million extension. The deal includes $165 million guaranteed. The deal ties Wilson to Denver for seven years for a total of $296 million, according to Adam Schefter. So when I look at this deal that Russell Wilson just agreed to for, with the Denver Broncos, the Denver Broncos had to lock up Russell Wilson. 
because over the last five or six years, the Denver Broncos quarterbacks have averaged 19 touchdowns per season. Last year, Russell Wilson, in a bad year, had 25 touchdowns. That was a bad year for Russell Wilson last year. Now, here's the thing. Last year, he only played in 14 games. So he was out a few games last year and still had 25 touchdowns. And in his career, Russell Wilson only had a losing season one time in his career. That was last year when the Seattle Seahawks, with Russell Wilson at the quarterback position, they went, he went 6-8. and eight. That was his one and only losing record so far in his career as a court as a quarterback. And since Peyton Manning retired, the Denver Broncos have been mediocre at quarterback and they haven't been true contenders in the AFC West. So you get Russell Wilson, you also get Sierra in Denver. So that's always a win-win because we know Sierra is an entertainer, one of the best entertainers we got in the business alongside Beyonce. We got, we got Sierra in Denver, so that's a win-win for the city of Denver. And then you get Russell Wilson for the next seven years. He'll be 40 when his contract is up, and you're going to have Russell Wilson on your books and in a position to where you can compete for a Super Bowl the next seven years in the AFC West. And if you're in the AFC West, you got to have an elite quarterback to compete. You look at the AFC West alone. Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert. The Denver Broncos know that in order for them to be true Super Bowl contenders and contenders in the AFC West, they had to lock in Russell Wilson for future seasons to come. They gave up everything that they did to bring him to Denver. And I think it's a great situation for Russell, Russell Wilson in Denver because Denver is the place where veteran quarterbacks go to have that second part of their career and for them to have an, an, another revitalized career. We, we saw with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning left the Indianapolis Colts, went to Denver. He won an NFL MVP. He led the Denver Broncos to two Super Bowl appearances, went one and one in, in his Super Bowl appearances. So Denver is the perfect place for a veteran quarterback to go and revitalize their career. And that's the perfect situation right now for Russell Wilson. They brought in Nathaniel Hackett, Hackett as their head coach. Nathaniel Hackett was a great play caller in Green Bay last year. He helped Aaron Rodgers win his NFL MVP award, even though we know Aaron Rodgers doesn't need much help. He can do it on his own. But Nathaniel Hackett had a great impact last year on that Packers offense, and now he's the head coach in Denver. He got a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. And so I expect the Denver Broncos to be Super Bowl contenders during this entire contract for Russell Wilson. I, I'm, I'm expecting big things from Denver Broncos. So this is a great organization. We know John Elway is a part of this Denver Broncos organization. He knows greatness when he sees it. And he knows that in order for the Denver Broncos to compete, not only in the AFC West, but in the AFC overall, you got to lock in your quarterback and Russell Wilson and have him on board for future seasons to come. So I think this was a great deal for both sides. I know Lamar Jackson right now is, is, is 
lick, licking his chops because he believes he should get a big time deal. He has an MVP on his resume. Russell Wilson never won an MVP. So this is this is great for Lamar Jackson as well. Really, really is. So everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys know sports. Been a great two days of talking sports on the Worldwide Sports Network. Remember, you can go and listen to the Wise Guys podcast on all the podcast platforms. Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, the Apple Podcast app. If you're an iPhone user, go and listen to the Wise Guys podcast. Go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys, no sports. We are one week away from the NFL season being upon us. Week one, we got Thursday night kickoff next week. I'm excited for it. Josh Allen versus Matthew Stafford in L.A. Bills, Rams, can't wait for that matchup. But this week in college football, we got some big time match matchups. We got the Bearcats at Razorbacks, three thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then seven thirty Eastern Standard Time. We got the Notre Dame Fighting Irish traveling to Columbus to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes in the shoe. Definitely excited for that matchup. Marcus Freeman. Versus Ryan Day. Man, I can't wait for that matchup. I'm going to be up there in Columbus this weekend. So I'm, I'm going to be right there with the Buckeye fans. And I want to see how good this Ohio State Buckeyes team is this year. Right now, many experts believe it's going to be either Alabama, Roll Tide, or Georgia, or Ohio State to win the national championship this year. We'll talk about that next week. 513-203-8655 will be the number to dial. We'll talk about who's going to win the college football national championship, but I'm excited for this matchup this week. Notre Dame, Old State. So I'm Trey Larkins on the Wise Guy Sports Show. Enjoy Labor Day weekend. It's going to be nice on Monday. Spend some time with some family. Eat good. It's, this is Labor Day is always like the last official holiday for the summer. So enjoy, enjoy Labor Day. Enjoy the weekend. I'm Trey Larkin signing off the Wise Guys Sports Show on the Worldwide Sports Network. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.